Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Kevin Jennings. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Launch University Podcast. My name is Kevin, and I'm here today with the other mentor on the team, David Farmer. Kevin, how are you? I'm fantastic, my friend, and uh, happy new year to you. Yes, indeed. Happy new year to you. Yeah, thank you so much, my friend. I know, I'm excited. 2019 already. It's a little surreal uh, to me, but I'm happy we're here. Indeed. This is going to be a big year. Um, I've got my oldest son getting married right around the corner, uh, totally new to the world experience for the Farmer family, so uh, we're looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, congratulations in advance. Uh, Yep, I have a daughter turning three any day now which is also very weird that I have a three-year-old. And so we'll, we'll be uh, adjusting in a lot of different ways in our house. I heard... Uh, we got the bases covered there, Kevin, just around. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Three-year-old in a marriage. Um, well, hey, today, everybody, we have an exciting episode planned for you. David was nice enough to hear me when I pitched him on an idea to say, what if we broke down the three common components of every launch? I want this to be your blind spot episode. If there was ever a time for you to say, okay, what is ahead for me as I have my plans for this year, whether it be a project at work, a new initiative you got tasked with, uh, maybe it is something at home, uh, a new family member, a birth, an adoption. I mean, there's tons of projects at home as well, a move. Um, We want to get you ready for that. And we believe, uh, we believe that there are three things that you can always expect and any launch. Before you go there, can I jump in on what you just said? Of course. Beyond just getting you ready for that, I would say we would love to challenge you to just think, what are you going to launch this year? Hmm. Maybe if it's something at work, it's clear. You know it. It's part of a business plan. You've already been asked to do it. Maybe not. But can you get into your business plan and think, what is going to be new? And it could be a big launch. It could be a little launch. It may be a whole new endeavor that you're embarking uh, with on your own, maybe even cranking up your own business, but maybe you work within the context of an existing organization. We like to uh, use the label entrepreneur a lot. You're going to be an entrepreneur around something big in your business. Well, what is it? Call it out. But I'd also say think about what's going on at home, either in your family or in some personal endeavor outside of work. What are you launching there? What do you want to launch there? And why not just go ahead and call it out, capture it, write it down, get super intentional about it? Yeah, I really hope that this does that for you. And that's why we want to kind of strip away the labels of, well, only if you're an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur or even, you know, we really, if you're a launcher, period, or something, you have an idea or something you know you're going to be developing this year, we believe this framework of thinking can at least orient you when you kind of step into what's ahead. Yeah. Awesome. Well, David, I'm going to kick it off yeah. uh, with what number one is, and then I want to throw it to you. Now, we'll kind of just go back and forth, okay, share cool. some ideas about it. So the number one common component is uncertainty. And I know you might think, well, Kevin, you told me I'm going to know what they were. What are they? No, uncertainty is the component. And I think if you can start to prepare yourself to say, I am going to develop a mindset and maybe even a process for how I approach things I don't know. And and I'm really happy David's here because for those who don't know David's background at Chick-fil-A, is he also helped them develop the innovation practice. So separate of his work with menu strategy, he helped develop their approach to innovation by partnering with other organizations to figure that out. And even that, they did not have an innovation practice 
And so, David, I'd love to hear how you maybe, you know, within your own role, what you've seen from other organizations to do when you step into the unknown. Yeah, let me first say I had to get comfortable with that because I probably have a tendency to want to control things. And where there is uncertainty, where there is an unknown, I may have a tendency to just hesitate. Hmm. And I've had to get comfortable over time just um, taking a step and saying, it's okay. I don't even have to have it all figured out. Just figure out the next step. Um, we've even been using uh, a project management process known as Agile. So I'm sure a lot of folks are familiar with it or they're practitioners. It teaches you to just think about the next sprint. In other words, the next little phase, which might just be a week from now. Hmm. You don't have to know the whole plan mm-hmm. in every circumstance. So I've had to get comfortable with, with just taking the next step and uh, trusting that uh, the step I'm going to take after that's going to be revealed at just the right time. You know, um, so one thing that we talked about for those who are longtime listeners, you've heard this before, uh, David, and a big part of what he did as well was related to design thinking. And that's that's an innovation process, and, and it's something we've kind of adopted internally, and we call it the launch loop. Yep. And the first step in the launch loop is understand. Yep. And it's about getting clear on the problem. And I think that's a very fascinating idea when, when we talk about uncertainty. I'm just saying, do I even know what the problem is? Yeah. Or what the opportunity is. If I can can get clear on that, now at least helps me put some boundaries around the options for what my plan is going forward. Even the next step, which is prototyping, plays to this as well. Because when you prototype, they teach, do it in the least uh, resource-intensive manner. Sometimes what we sort of call the MVP, minimally viable product. Don't invest too much. Because you don't know. That's uncertainty. Mm. So when you don't know, you take a sounding. You do an experiment. You just sort of stick your toe in the water until you get a little more information. And then you can make the next play, which will probably be better informed and more likely to be successful. And it'll be refined. You know, and so I think that's one thing we want to just keep saying. So you've already heard a couple words, right? Can I prototype? All right. Can I get clear on the problem? Um, Can I just do a better job of being okay with not having all the information? Uh, Another thing that I've seen, uh, you know, Shane do a great job of, Jeff do a great job of, other leaders I respect. They find someone who's done it before and they ask them a ton of questions. Right. So humility is a part of that and saying, when I have something brand new. Can I be humble enough, which I know a lot of launchers, we are, we might be humble, but we might struggle with this idea. And that's believing we are the first people to ever do anything like it. Yeah. Right? I hear, hear launchers say, well, this has never been done before. I would like to challenge that notion to say no one has ever done that at all. Right. We can say, does Chick-fil-A, you know, do you know, quick service better than others? Sure. Are they, are they the only quick service restaurant in all of the world? Absolutely not. And so it's a reality of saying, hey, if I can know that someone else has done this, can I go out and ask some questions? I'm reminded again, just listening to you, Kevin, about a book I bet you we've referenced in our show notes a half a dozen times, Mindset by Carol Dweck. And she talks about growth mindsets and fixed mindsets. And if you have a fixed mindset, you don't like uncertainty. You don't like to try things because you're sort of preoccupied with protecting the image of you. Hmm. Whereas if you have a growth mindset, you just genuinely want to grow. And that means learning something new, which probably means trying something you're not good at or wading into waters that are not, uh, they're a little bit murky. You need a little of that. You got to have that growth mindset. So maybe uh, one action 
point for some of our listeners maybe, hey, just go check out that book. It's an awesome resource. Yeah, and, and, and before we move on to the next common component, David, one thing you're exceptionally great at, and I'm not doing this just to brag on David, but I'm just, it's just true. Uh, I, I try to steal techniques from him when I can. And you are really fantastic at looking at the uncertainty in the room and feeling it and then saying, okay, what's the one thing I can do that creates momentum? It's like, what is the thing I can create or find in this space that I can pull out of the group so we walk out of here with something that we can tangibly hold to say there will be action that takes place? Would you mind even just like walking us through your mindset, things, things you might do, techniques you've tried that help you get a, a group of people or yourself to that place? Yeah, I would say the creative process, uh, design work, launching anything, it is going to be inherently messy. And so you just got to allow for some of that. You just, I don't think you want to live there forever. So I have a tendency to want to clean it up kind of fast. And so if anything, I may, I may go, I may push a little too hard to go too fast sometimes. But you sort of get it all out there. It's like dumping all the pieces of a puzzle out on the table. It's a huge mess at first. But at some point, you've got to kind of wrap an organizing idea around this project. So the way I think that plays out in a lot of our our launch efforts, we start out and things are real vague, murky. I use the word abstract. Mm. It's okay. Let's live in that for a little while. Because it's going to enable us to explore a lot of ideas. I mean, that's it's kind of like ideation. Is, is, that's part of it. But it's going to be abstract. But at some point, if we're going to get traction, we need to make it more concrete. Hmm. And so that's what I'm often looking for. Um, what are the ideas that that will be more actionable, that are concrete, that are going to move us towards the, the outcome we've all kind of committed to? You got to pull that out at some point and let some of the other stuff just kind of go. What does that, what Clear does that the like? table. Like, what does that look like when you're when you're fighting to make something concrete? Let's just say we're in a, in a in a meeting and we're talking about an idea. I want everybody to have a chance to to share because I have this assumption that the output's going to be better if we combine all our thinking. But at some point, we're going to have to come up with a common message. So it is looking for central themes that seem to resonate with everybody, working on the words that seem to resonate the most, mm. getting concrete and specific about the outcomes. If those can be quantified, great. If we can put dates on them, great. If we can create a picture of what that outcome looks like, great. We, the more concrete we can get, the more clear we can get, the better. We have this um, concept that we use at Chick-fil-A now that just says clear is kind. Hmm. If you're clear, it just helps. So I think that while there's uncertainty, you want to figure out, can you move that towards clarity at some point? Because you'll get you'll get traction when you do. That's fantastic. Okay. So and that and that's yeah, so that we talk about you know, getting clear on outcomes, getting clear on objectives, getting clear on deadlines. Each of those, any of those things start to put layers on whatever you're working on that starts to bring it down. And I, I say, well, if I know what I'm trying to achieve, then some things fall off. If I recognize what I want to get it done by, well, that also changes some things. And so I love that just layering of, of, of times and, and goals to hopefully get you down to what you're really trying to accomplish. Okay, so the second common component that we've noticed when it comes to any launch is leading yourself. 
Yeah. And David, I need some thoughts around this. I'd love to hear what, you, what you're thinking. Well, uh, I was taught a model uh, some years ago called 360 Leadership Model. And the basic idea behind this is um, leadership is not just leading someone that may be subordinate to you. That is an aspect of leadership, but leadership could be influencing someone who's a peer that you don't actually have any authority over. You can actually lead up. That's influence as well. But at the core of it all, there's self-leadership. And if your only view of leadership is telling someone who's subordinate to you what to do or how to do it, that's a very narrow and I would argue incomplete view of leadership. And the healthiest leaders, I think, actually start with self-leadership, which is an acknowledgement that uh, we ain't done yet, you know. Yeah, yeah, I love that. <laughs> uh, that you got you got your own opportunities first, and if you're going. Uh, to be, I think, a really effective leader to others who who are following you, they need to see that you're the kind of leader that recognizes they have their own opportunities and they're committed to pursuing those opportunities to grow. So I, I would say that's it, kind of in a nutshell. No, I, I, no, it's fantastic, right? I mean, if you're a solopreneur, or or you know your your boss or your leaders challenge you with with even formulating some initial thoughts on an initiative, your first team member is you. Your first, you know, the first person who's on the job is you. Yeah. Before they give you a team to work around you, or, or before you, you know, have the resources to hire anyone. So if if you don't know how to lead you and find the time to work on it, it's likely not going to happen. Yeah, I don't know if it's John Maxwell said this. He's written so much on leadership. But in my mind, I associate it with him. But he talks <laughs> about the law of the lid. Yes, it is. That's John. Okay, mm-hmm. that is John. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, which just simply means, A, the uh, team's not going to go a lot higher than you. So a lot of times when we're making um, a selection around a leader, uh, we, we, we use this expression, which we may have also gotten from John, uh, nines don't like to work for sevens. Ooh. At least very long. That's so, very true. So he's saying on a scale right. of one to ten, if your leadership quotient is a seven, then you've sort of capped out the kind of talent that you're going to be able to attract to your team. Wow. You're just going to get six and belows. Wow. You if you if you get a 9, they're not going to hang around. Wow. Cuz they don't want to work for a 7. So what that tells us is that we all need to be on a journey to grow our own leadership quotient. We want to be the 9s and 10s who can attract the 8s and 9s. That if we can get that level of talent, it, it's going to dramatically impact success. Wow. Okay. Well, once again, folks, I think it's easy to, to have eloquent words be shared with you and say, cool quote when writing a book. I can tell you from, from my experience, that has proven to be true so many times. And the worst part about it is when you're not an eight or a nine or a 10 attracting that caliber, they just leave. Like, like, because not eight, eights, nines, and tens aren't going to burn bridges on the way out. Yeah. They're too mature for that. So they're just going to leave the team. Yeah, and, and and if you're a six or a seven or a five, and you're struggling to break through, you may never know why you're not growing unless you take a behavior like our buddy Jeff Henderson talks about and openly and directly ask, "What's it like to be on the other side of me?" Yeah. If you don't ask that question, I promise you, you won't know. And I'm and I'm speaking from a person who's guilty of not telling a five or a six or a seven early in my career. Hey, it's tough to work for you. So I just I'll, left. Can we talk two strategies here? Yes, please. Um, one is let's let's assume we're not at the leadership quotient level we want to be at yet. I mean, I'm not. Sure. Uh, so 
one strategy is let's start, let's, it begins with self-awareness. Where am I? What am I doing pretty good at? Where am I struggling? Where are my opportunities? And, and once I know the opportunities, I can begin to work on a plan to try to grow. But it's going to take inviting people to give feedback, honoring the feedback, respecting the feedback, responding to the feedback. And I think just being real, real and transparent, right? Not phony, not fake, not acting like you've already cracked the code. That's right. So that type of growth, which begins with self-awareness, is one strategy. Let, let's just take another strategy. Let's just say maybe you've got incredible expertise around a subject matter, but leadership's just not your thing, but mm-hmm. you are kind of the leader. Yes. Okay. Have you ever seen that? Absolutely. All right. So you're off the charts on something, and that whatever it is you're off the charts on may be the key to some success, but there's still a need for someone to lead, but you're just a five on that one to 10 scale. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you busted it, maybe you get to a seven, Mm -hmm. but you really need a nine or a 10. What do you do? Are you comfortable enough bringing in somebody that's really gifted at leadership and, and letting them partner with you? Mm, That's awesome. And maybe that's what you need to do because maybe that's what the team needs. Mm. So you're either going to have to get there yourself or, or get comfortable and, and partner up in a, in a healthy way with somebody who really is a strong team leader, people leader. And I'll be honest, someone who does that, who asks for help like that, the entire team trusts you now more, right? Yeah. I mean, like it's it's to, to say, hey, I'm not the the team or people leader to get us there. I'm the functional leader to get us there. You have an entire community of people who are going to rally around you more because now they say you have us in mind exactly and you're self-aware you're being honest with yourself you know you're not you know god's gift to everything you know one of the one of the things i started saying a while ago was i'm trying to hack myself yeah and and that's you know it's a that's a tech term right hacking and you know finding intelligent uh shortcuts or or optimal ways to different paths and we can talk a lot about those things different areas for me, the key, and we talked about this before on the podcast, but the key for me is personality assessments. Mm. I mean, I'm addicted to them. And it's because I feel like I cannot get enough perspective on me because I'm just too close to it. I'm too close. I, I mean, I, I want every voice I can to say, Kevin, we looked at a million other people like you, and this is the general vicinity where you land. No, a personality assessment cannot tell me everything about me, but it can give me perspective and insights. And more importantly, after 10 of them, you start seeing common phrases repeated. Yeah. And and so now I can say, okay, I can strip away some feedback maybe I don't agree with, but I can't ignore the fact that sometimes Kevin can be impulsive. Yeah. And now that's it. So now so now I have to operate. Okay, I have to be disciplined to make sure that I, I, I'm mindful that I'm capable and quite frankly, sometimes enjoy leaning into the quick action mindset. I also like making decisions. When people want to keep options open forever, it drives me up the wall. Yeah. And if you look at Myers-Briggs, some of the best leaders in the world keep options open. Like that's that's kind of their strategy is, hey, we will decide in time. And they just hold. And a good leader knows when to decide and when to hold back and just say, let's wait a little longer. Mm-hmm. And my propensity toward decisions, sometimes I, I, move, I move too fast and I don't give more opportunities. But the key thing I would say is, you have to try to do that because when you're aware of what you're not great at also, you're aware of what kind of team you need around you. And that kind of leads us to our third and final piece. Can I give you, oh, before, please jump before we there. go to the third yeah, piece, please. Uh, 
I'm listening to you. I had a, just one other thought as it relates to leading yourself. I'll throw out the word relevance. In other words, perhaps you've been an incredible leader um, at some point in time. There are probably core skills and gifts that enable you to continue to be a great leader, but there are other things that change around us. Because hmm. you used to, you talked about hacking yourself a moment ago. Mm-hmm. So on some of those areas, you better make sure you're evolving. Because if you freeze the design, you're going to become irrelevant at some point. Hmm. And in and, and doing so, a great leader could potentially disqualify themselves from effective leadership down the road. So are you growing, are you evolving, or are you stuck doing the same thing the same way you've always done it? That's not going to be good. So I, I like your, your hacking thing. Where do you need to be hacked so that you grow, you evolve, you adapt, take some of those core capabilities, but maybe the methodologies shift over time, the technology, the tools, those, those evolve. So well said. So, I mean, when I was working for Dave Ramsey, I was known for the guy who built rapport by walking around. I mean, I, I mean, I, I was, I mean, if you didn't know me well, you thought Kevin's not working. Yeah. Because I was, I was like, this is my chance to influence collaborators. You were pollinating. I, it's so true. I mean, now my, my, when I was young and, and newly married and didn't have a child at the time. So I, I would make up for all that time. I wasn't working by working late hours or early mornings to make up for the emails I didn't write or the projects I needed to plan for. Um, because I just felt like, hey, my best time, and actually my my leader encouraged me. He said, Kevin, this job is a lot of you getting people in other departments to do what you, do what you need them to do. Yeah, you need to build relationships, and I and I took it to heart, and I hung out with everybody. Likewise, with that being said, and it was a great tool. I lead a remote team right now, and and I can feel at times that that's an area that I have to even just take the strategy. And take it digital. I, I you know, I, ha- I have to make that digital because I'm losing one of the one of the things I know I love, and that's the connection with the people I work with that leads to the influence that I need to have in order to do what we need to do. So you got to take something that you are good at and evolve it absolutely to a new set of circumstances. Absolutely, and I and I'm so I, so I want to just you know when you hear David saying these things, I want you to be clear and say this applies to all of us. We are all looking, we are all confronted with something that requires evolution. Um, you know, just to be candid with others, you know, one, one more thing and we'll move on. David and I both have inboxes that are probably pretty wacky. I mean, I can speak, I, I can't say everything, but I'm, I mean, but I think we both agree, like we have a lot of incoming messages. Yeah. And you and I have talked at length privately just about how we're trying to do a better job of inbox management because these people are contacting us they do need responses. They do need information from us. And we don't want to slow projects down, but we have a lot of information coming at us. So that's something we're trying to evolve how we manage relationships through the inbox and through things coming at us so that we can better support those who need our help. Yeah, for sure. And that leads to our last point, And that's the third thing. So we talked about uncertainty being number one, leading yourself being number two. And the last one is leading others. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of content out there about leading others. Yeah. But we do wanted. We felt like we had to address leading others because when you don't, I mean, you're creating a product or a project or anything that involves someone else being a part of it, helping you do it, or on the other end to experience it. Yeah. And so, David, I'd love to hear your thoughts on leading others. Well, I have two concepts I'd love to unpack real quick if we can, Kev. One, one is um, expectations. 
the other support and challenge. So if I go to expectations, I think one of the most helpful things you can do when you're leading others is be incredibly clear about what you expect, what outcomes you're, you're ultimately looking for. What does success look like? If you want your people to be successful, set them up for success. Mm. And I think painting a very clear picture of what it is, when it happens, even how it happens, if that's important, it is is a big ingredient. Um, I would because otherwise people they may pour their heart and soul into something and think they're doing great only to be uh, just crushed when they find out it's not what you expected it's not what you wanted absolutely no so, that's good no, that, I'm convicted because the team that works for me would would say we catch a lot of things through osmosis or a lot of things in the back and we're kind of clean, playing playing cleanup on expectations because some I mean, now, I, now I've been blessed to work the same thing for a while now but that that came, you know, I think they would all agree we could all do a better job of just being clear on expectations, especially when things are evolving. Yeah, so we, we do lots of projects. I mean, we have a huge portfolio of projects going on, and it's real tempting to just sort of dive into projects. But we've learned the importance of the discipline of what we call scoping the project. Mm-hmm. And scoping requires... It's sort of like that understand phase you referenced earlier in the launch loop. It's it's sitting down and really trying to make sure we're clear on the problem we're trying to solve. How would we define success? Uh, what's reality look like today? So what's what's the sort of the the, the from to that we're trying to create? Mm-hmm. If we don't stop long enough to do that, it is going to probably uh, put the We'll spend a lot of time and energy and resource on the project, and there's a good chance it won't be everything that we hoped it would be. So yeah. expectation, scoping is a way to do that. You can even create – in the creative realm, they talk about creative briefs. That's right. It's the same – it's essentially the same thing. Mm-hmm. You need something like that. Look that up if you need more on it. Yeah, this is a, this is a really great tool for project briefs, too, if you want to Google that. Cool. Good. Mm-hmm. So that's expectations. The second thing when you think about leading others, I would say, is support and challenge. And I don't recall where I first heard this, uh, but I, I don't want to take personal credit for it. But I know at Chick-fil-A, we talk a lot about high support, high challenge. And what that means is I want somebody to know that I have their back. I'm their advocate. I'm for them. I want them to succeed. Uh, I want them to grow. So all of that is the support part. And at the same time, there's going to be a lot of hard challenge, Mm -hmm. meaning uh, I'm going to coach. I'm going to give feedback. I'm going to push you. Think about that good teacher or that good coach that you just felt like, wow, they're just being tough on me. They're being hard on me. But they were trying to extract all that you had and bring out a capability that uh, you'd never demonstrated before. Absolutely. You, you want to be that. And so a lot of times I tell folks when I start working with them, I said, look, I, I am so excited about what you're about to do. But if, if we're going to do something phenomenal, first of all, you need to trust me. And that means you need to trust that I genuinely have your best interest at heart. I'm not just trying to extract something from you. I'm not just trying to use you. I want to see you do awesome stuff. If you trust me, it frees me up to be super honest with you, give you hard feedback. Even, um, I mean, it may be tough sometimes, but you know I'm only doing it because I want to see you grow and I care. Mm -hmm. When you can get to that kind of level with, 
with the folks you lead, that's when you'll do the very best work. So that's high support, high challenge. You, you know, one of the things that, that brings up to me is the reality that as a leader, when you do that um, and, you know, and you attempt these things, I want you to be clear about some, about some potential experiences you might have. And one might be you get burned, right? Yeah. Like you, like you, Hey, I, I, I trusted, I supported, I challenged, and this person just threw me under the bus, didn't help, bailed on me, bailed on the project, didn't carry their weight, and that's a possibility, Yeah. right? And then you have circumstances where a person who didn't get those things did a great job, and you say, David, I don't have to do all that. Look, this person on my team's over here, they're doing an amazing job, and I don't do any of those things you talked about. And so I want to be clear and say there are aberrations, but the reality is you have to protect yourself by leading yourself well yeah. so that you can continually come back to this and say, I'm going to lead at a high level regardless of what this person does. I'm going to lead with trust. I'm going to give hard, honest feedback. I'm going to have someone's back and provide a high level of support regardless of if the last person I feel took advantage of me. Yeah, And I think that sometimes as leaders, we say, well, Kevin, I'm new or I'm, I haven't dealt with that yet. Well, we want to give you some heads up because that's a reality. I mean, you can't control what someone else decides to do. And I can personally, I've, I've seen, you know, myself regress from a moment of being feeling vulnerable and, and feeling hurt by how a project went with a contributor. And and then me saying, OK, I, I, I kind of closed off for a while and said, I, I'm, I'm kind of trying to heal up a little bit. Because I feel like I really overextended myself to to support and challenge this person, and they and they left me hanging. So that leads me to suggest um, I think there I think it's wise to spend a disproportionate amount of your time and energy as a leader on the people that produce disproportionate results. Hmm. So if you're leading, I wouldn't feel like you got to spread your time, energy, and focus coaching um, equally across the board. Uh, I think you. I think it's smart to figure out who the superstars, and arguably they get more time and effort. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think of, I'm just it's football season right now, and I'm thinking about a football team. They're going to spend a little more time and energy on the quarterback than they are the long snapper. Yeah, indeed. Okay, indeed, because they know that's the key to results, the key to winning, the key to championships. Well, it's going to be true on your team too. It's going to look different, but it's going to be true. Man, that's convicting. You know, but it, but it's just true. And some people just sort of suck the life out of you. And yes. honestly, those perhaps are the people that you need to cycle off the team in an appropriate and healthy way. Yeah, one of the things David didn't say earlier when he, when he said, you know, about, about John Maxwell's quote about, uh, you know, eights and nines and tens don't want to work for five, sixes and sevens, or at least for very long. I think the same can be true, can be said about, you know, eight, nines and tens don't want, don't want to work alongside. Well, that's true. You know, four, five, six or sevens are very long before they start to say, why is our level 10, nine leader keeping a four, five, six on the team? Yeah. You know, I use the expression barnacles on the bow, which mean these little, I don't know, clamshell things that have attached to the, the, the bow of the boat that just create drag in the water. Mm-hmm. We're trying to go fast and, and this thing's just slowing us down. Sometimes those are, those are the weak links on the team. And it may be that the, uh, the most gracious thing to do is to help them find another place where hopefully they can be successful because it's just not happening on this team right now. Right. And once again, and that's why learning to give hard feedback is so valuable, right? Because yep. if you gave that person hard feedback and support along the way, 
when you have to cut someone loose, emotionally it's different for you. Yeah. Because you know you've done the part you're supposed to do. Or you gave them or you went back and you made sure they were clear on expectations before you came and evaluated them. Yeah. Right. And say, hey, I'm feeling the performance is slipping. Let me go to them and make sure they understand what I'm expecting of them first. Yeah. Then let me offer support in that area and challenge in that area for the next 30 days or so before I come to them and say, maybe the team isn't right for you because I need to make sure that I'm that I've done my part. You know, Dave, Dave Ramsey always will tell us that most problems were a, t- a leader problem, not a team member problem. Mm. You know, the leader should hire them in the first place. They didn't get clear on expectations first. You know, they didn't check in or follow up on how they were doing. Like there's a, they, it was a leader problem, not a person, not, not a team member problem. And I remember just being like, man, that's, that's, as I've gotten into leadership more over the, over the years, that's just proven to be true in my own experience where it's still typically my fault, even if I just shouldn't have hired that person to begin with. Cool. Yeah. Well, well, David, I think what I'd love to do, because yeah, just before we wrap up, um, are there any just thoughts you want to share about once again, stepping into a new launch and, you know, preparing your mind, your, your skills, et cetera, for the three common components. Celebrate every success. Throw some parties. I'm actually going to a party tomorrow for a team that I've been part of. I bought some gifts. Um, I've got some comments prepared to share. I want to just celebrate some people. And there's more work to be done, but some good stuff has happened. And um, I'm not always the best, best at this. But it's really healthy. It's like oxygen. It's like fuel to stop, honor people, call out the good, celebrate the, the progress of the team. So this is hard stuff, and we all need the encouragement. So I would just I'd throw that out there. That's fantastic. Uh, I don't have anything really to follow that. I mean, I'm, celebrating is probably one of my greatest weaknesses because, I mean, I celebrate others, but I don't celebrate my own achievements enough to even – enjoy them so sometimes that also means not so my, my own achievement means i can sometimes starve my team of, of that same experience can, can i mention somebody real quick yeah, please as we wrap up i know um one of the guys i work with and work for john bridges who's the chief marketing officer um at chick-fil-a he has this practice of making homemade trophies and they're it, think like figurines but mm-hmm. he there, he creates a scene that represents the really cool thing that you've done. Wow. And I had a chance to be with him recently, and I helped him just sort of brainstorm what some of these trophies might be because there are people that he wants to celebrate. He literally goes home at night, gets in his garage, and spends time making these handmade trophies for people. Wow. Uh, to honor them hmm. and uh, celebrate what they're doing for the good of the team. I think it's pretty cool. That's been, uh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, we know Dave Ramsey's one of the best at this on my side. His Christmas parties are, are epic. So I like any time a party is epic. That it is true. It's true. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, you know, now up to eight hundred employees. When I was there, five hundred, and um, and so rent a ballroom downtown. You know, four course meal. You know, every, you know three course, four course meal for everybody. And then, you know, a lot of fun and games, celebrating people, calling out, you know, rookies of the year kind of thing for yeah. the team. And then he gives the entire company a gift. And I remember my first year, me and Leah went to the party and he said, okay, he played Oprah and he they had, a, had uh, rooms in the hotel, one full of iPads, one full of laptops, one full of iPhones, and everyone in the whole room got one. Wow. The second year, he actually paid Best Buy to open up an hour and a half, two hours early. And the entire staff got to go on a shopping spree. 
Yeah, and, you don't forget that. Yeah, and everybody had a thousand dollars to spend at Best Buy. I mean, you know, then they did this. They started doing it at Costco, which was even crazier because now people are like, you know, remodeling their homes, <laughs> buying deck furniture. Uh, but I remember, I mean, it was just it's an amazing time to look back, you know. And that was and that was in addition to whatever you got in your check for a bonus for that year. How about that, man? I'm, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, you never got it. You got to take it with your friends and relax with your spouse. Your spouse got to see what you did for that year. It was a it was always really cool. Yeah, for sure. So there are lots of benefits to celebrating, but I, I think pragmatically we can say uh, celebration equals fuel. Mm, I love that. Well, hey, thanks again for hanging out with us uh, for this early episode in the new year. Uh, we believe that there's something inside of you that can change your organization, change your community, change your life. And whatever that is you're trying to launch, we believe it's probably worthy of your attention. But we want to give you proven practices to do that. So we talked about this thing called the launch loop. If you would love to understand more about the launch loop and how to and how to start with the problem you're solving and grow things sustainably, we have an ebook. It's called The Launch Loop. It's called Five Steps That Are Guaranteed to Get Your Ideas Off the Ground. It's a free ebook. You can get it right now. So if you text the word launch pad, all one word, launch pad to 345-345, get sent straight to your phone. And you get an email with the information. So that's incredibly great for you. You can also find it on our website at launchuniversity.com. And lastly, we want you to spread the word about this podcast. You know someone else in your life that's launching something right now. And we, and, and, and we don't have to know what it is, but you do. And we're going to spend our time this year, like we have the past two years, finding incredible launchers and leaders, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, who are doing something incredible in the world we can all learn from. And we want to make sure that person in your life doesn't miss out. So here's here's what you do. First, you subscribe to make sure you get it for yourself. Lead yourself well. Second, you can go to our podcast. You can share that with you. If you go to launchuniversity.com, that's youniversity.com forward slash podcast. We have all the episodes there. You can just take that link. You can pass it to them. We have show notes there for this episode and for every other episode we've done thus far. Quick summaries of the key points. So if you're driving, don't worry about the notes today. We've done that hard work for you. Please subscribe and also leave a rating or review. That's also how you help help us spread the word. iTunes rates that stuff very seriously. And so this year, the entire team, we're locked in on getting your feedback. And we're also locked in on helping spread the word. We, We know that this can change your life because it's changed ours. And so thank you so much for being a part of the Launch University community. And we look forward to having you join us next time. Hey, and David, thanks for hanging out with me, buddy. Love it, Kevin. Always a treat to be with you. Awesome. See you all next time. Thanks for listening to the Launch University podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.